welcome to Two Steps Ahead Podcast. My name is Sonny Dem. And I'm Tara Shiro. And we'd like to welcome you to uh, this episode. And on the episode today, we're going to talk about something that is uh, difficult to deal with, a difficult topic. That is the topic of loss. Loss when it comes to losing somebody we love, as in grief, losing a job perhaps, or maybe even losing a... Uh, a significant other, like a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse or something like that. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if I can just uh, take a moment to share a quick story about my experience with loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was back in high school and I had a really good friend of mine that I know that I knew since the first grade. And he was like a brother to me. His family was like a second family. Mm-hmm. And we were out one night. Uh, I was out actually on a date one night. And I actually happened to run across him and his sister and some other people from his school. Because mm-hmm. we went to the same elementary school, but we went to different high schools. And so uh, I came across him one night uh, up at Universal uh, City, City Walk, which is now. And... We talked for a little bit, and we were making plans to maybe do something in the next few weeks. And so it was a good night. The next morning, I'm lying in bed, and the phone rings. So naturally, I answer it. And it's another friend of mine on the end of the line. And he proceeds to tell me that my friend Chris, who I just saw the night before, had died in a car crash later mm-hmm. that evening. Wow. He was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. I guess he was coming home from uh, taking somebody home on the 210 freeway, if you're familiar with Los Angeles, mm-hmm. up uh, in the Tahunga area. And he ended up being involved in a car crash and, and dying. Wow. And so at my, at, uh, in high school, being at a young age, it was hard to kind of handle that because we had made plans to go to USC. Mm-hmm. We were going to be roommates at USC. Mm-hmm. And we had made plans to, to start kind of formulating what we're going to do in college and, and make those plans. And then all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, in a phone call, much like everybody else who I'm sure got that same phone call, mm-hmm. you know, lives changed. And so for me, I decided not to go to USC because I wasn't in the mood anymore. Mm. And I decided to choose a different path, went to broadcasting school and moved on. But at, you know, in high school, you're not really equipped to deal with loss. I don't think anybody really is equipped to deal with loss. No, I don't think so. But in high school, you know, being 18 and I was just a few days after my 18th birthday, um, you know, dealing with loss a lot of emotion was running through me at that time, obviously the sadness and the grief of losing him. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, it was kind of weird because guilt started to set in, not because I was alive, but because maybe I should have done more mm. to help the family during that time. Maybe I should have been there more because his folks, his parents were like my second parents. Oh, wow. And it's like, how do you start to process all this? Yeah. You know, And it was kind of a new, ter- it was new territory for me to kind of deal with that loss. And they say time heals all wounds. I think time scabs all wounds. The wounds time are still heals there. Nothing. Yes. I don't know. Time heals. And that's interesting because, you know, my daughter has the exact same story. Um, she was in high school, uh, freshman. In, well, she was you were a senior, right? I was a senior. Yes. Yeah. So my daughter was a freshman in high school. And just a couple of days after the end of freshman year, after a couple of days after the high school had graduated, the senior class. Um, she too was in a, a catastrophic, uh, car accident and lost her life. Um, and we received a, you know, phone call late at night, um, you know, telling us what happened. And of course, you know, we went to the hospital as, as did, you know, 50 other people. And, uh, you know, we were camped out there for a couple of days and then she, um, she was an organ donor. So, um, they, it took a couple of days for, you know, to go through that process, but man, you know, as a freshman in high school, um, senior in high school, it's it's awful. It is awful for kids to go through that. And now and then recently, you know, um, you know, I live in Santa Clarita. And so we just coming off of that school shooting, you know, it just happened a couple of days ago. And so that's still fresh in the community and still uh, preparing for those funerals. And um, it's a, it's yeah. How do you process that? And then, you know, another kind of story to kind of relate. So then moving on later in life, uh, just a few years ago, there was a series of, of people that I knew that passed away. I had two cousins pass away, one from mm-hmm. cancer, one from suicide. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple other friends that kind of passed away from illnesses, from cancer to other things. And it just, even relating back to the, the story of being 18, having lost a friend of mine, and then fast forward years later in life, being more of an adult, having that loss, 
nothing changes. I mean, loss is loss. Grief is grief. And when you're dealing with death, I think that's one of the hardest things to manage is to how do you handle those feelings? Because again, we had talked about it in an earlier podcast about success right. and how there's this box that people are supposed to live in. And I think sometimes too, people will put a box on grief mm-hmm. and be like, hey, this is how you should grieve. This is how long you should grieve for. This is how your sadness should be. And then you got to get over it. In fact, I had a coworker one time who lost her, uh, her husband uh, to an illness. And a co- she eventually uh, moved on from the radio station I was at. Mm-hmm. And a couple years later, she came back to visit it. Now, it had been like two years since the passing of her husband. And she was telling us a story that, you know, she started losing friends and her friend group started to kind of break up because they were tired of her grieving. And someone made the comment, it's been two years. You should get over it by now. I know. I hear that complaint a lot from people who have lost people, that that is something that that people, well-meaning people will say. And it's hard to it's hard to enter into the grief process with other people. So, you know, you losing your friend or you losing, you know, family members. It's it would be it would be like me grieving with you. I although it's different, you know, for me because I didn't know the people that you do, but it's that carrying each other's grief that is so hard for us that we don't even want to grieve ourselves, let alone be patient enough to walk through the grief process with somebody else because some you know, everybody's pace is different. There's no there's no um and there's stages that we go through in grief and hopefully we can handle it, you know, healthier at different stages, but there's no set end time. There's no set like, okay, six weeks, six years, you're done, you know, and it's hard for people on the outside to carry that weight. Yeah, I remember, um, so this happened in high school. I remember the 10 year anniversary of my friend's death, I was out of state working in Nebraska at a radio station. So I wasn't here, but for the 20 year kind of anniversary, I reached out to his family and we kind of, uh, formed a mini 20 year kind of anniversary remembrance. Mm-hmm. We let off balloons and just kind of, you know, spent some time reminiscing about some stories. And then we just recently had the 30 year, um, you know, celebration and, uh, which was this past, um, February mm-hmm. of 2019. And I remember the comment that his mom made because it had been two kind of 10 year celebrations. Mm-hmm. And she said, for the 40, you guys are going to have to carry on the tradition because her, his parents are now in their 80s and they oh, might not be wow. around. Wow. And that was kind of like, a, 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 you know, a, kind of a smack upside the head because, mm-hmm. you know, you start to think about the longevity of how this story has played out with the loss. And that just kind of hit home like. But, but on the flip side, it was almost kind of like a relief on their part because they will no longer be here to have to bury that burden of right. having lost a, a, right. a, a child. Um, so my question to you then would be, what was the process? Because for me, when I was 17 or 18, whatever it was, and had the loss of my friend Chris, there was no real grief process for me. I didn't go talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't have counseling. I just kind of dealt with it myself. Yeah. You know, talked with some people. I had a couple people that came to me that were older uh uh, like in college that I knew mm-hmm. that uh, from a group and they would kind of just check on me and make sure I was okay. It was through a church group. And so, um, but I really kind of just dealt with it myself. But for when your daughter went through, you know, the, the grieving process and the loss process, what did you guys do? How did she handle it? Um, you know, didn't. it is still very difficult Mm -hmm. um, for us to talk about it to this day. And it's been, gosh, Lindsay died in 2011, I believe. So it's been eight years um, since she's passed. And um, it's very, it is very difficult for, for my daughter to talk about it. No, I don't know that she, I think she talks about it with her friends, but I'm not sure, but she has pictures, you know, to this day, um, stickers on our car, um, that we, you know, remember her dearly. We go to the, you know, the memorials and the cemetery. Um, she doesn't talk about it verbally. And I've, I've always wondered if that is, you know, a hindrance. Now she has written, you know, college application letters or other things about that incident, about that time in her life. Um, but she's very kind of stoic in that area. And I always wonder if, you know, why the words just don't come. It's hard to, I guess when you're not, um, she, now she had the, a community of people, obviously they were freshmen in high school. So for the next three years, it was a little bit rough, you know, it was, they were best friends. And so rearranging the friend group, but, 
um, you know, it, it, some people say, you know, let's not talk about it. Let's move on. Other people want to talk about it all the time. Well, see, and that's the point that I want to try to get to with this is that, again, people will put limits other people will put limits. Other people mm-hmm. will tell you how to grieve. Other people will tell you how to handle the situation. And then you move on. Now, granted, we seek help. We seek people out to give us advice on how to handle grief, how to deal with it. Obviously, we need an outlet sometimes to mm-hmm. get this grief out, to get this loss out, the pain mm-hmm. out. Um, and so we want to do that in a good, constructive way. But also on the flip side, it's okay. I guess the point is it's okay for that grief or for those feelings to linger for a period of time because one – in my opinion, you're never really going to get over it. It just kind of fades a little bit, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. And you just got to learn how to cope every day with it. Mm-hmm. But then, too, it's like um, you're going to handle it differently depend on, depending on who it was. So, again, I was think I was 19, so a couple years later, my grandfather passed away. He was 86 years old. So, for me, that was more of a natural death because he was older. Right. Uh, when my grandmother died, she was 96, and I think we were all kind of right. happy at that point because it was like, she, you know, at, at a certain point- It's expected. Yes, yeah, it's, it's expected, yeah. and, you know, she's starting to age a lot, and you're starting to lose, you know, your, your mental abilities and things like that when you're 96, and so it's kind of like a relief in a way that, okay, mm-hmm. good, she's not suffering anymore, you know, she, even though she was in pretty good health, there was, you know, a stroke was involved, and so you're kind of relieved in a way that she's out of that kind of earthly misery because that's- right. a point the body breaks down right. so again depending on the situation for me it was my grandparents it was understandable still sad still a loss but it was manageable mm-hmm. but for someone like a friend or some of these other friends or a cousin um, especially the suicide you know that, that kind of took me uh, off guard because she was uh, in another state in Minnesota and I was in California and we had been talking back and forth just kind of catching up mm-hmm. because we had met at a family reunion and it was really cool starting to get to know her and then all of a sudden I get a message an email saying that she had passed away and I kind of figured that uh, there was something that she had done to herself because just in talking to her I can tell there was some, some issues. And this was a friend? No this a, was my this was my cousin, your cousin a cousin of mine that cousin. was uh, wow. in Minnesota and wow. it, it had been like a, a a second cousin, you know, mm-hmm. type of situation. So mm-hmm. my dad was a cousin to her father. Mm-hmm. And so we had met at a reunion. And so we were talking and just kind of getting to know each other. You know, that next level of family right. tree, just right. trying to make those connections. And um, and again, it was kind of shocking because here one moment, I'm conversing with her, talking with her, and we're trying to make plans for perhaps a, a second generation or third generation family reunion type things. And then all of a sudden, it's like mm-hmm. gone. Right. You know, it's like all these plans we had made, they're just like now in limbo. Mm-hmm. And I think back to Chris, you know, there were times we were hanging out at his beach house or his cabin and we'd be talking about things. And I remember one time Survivor had a couple songs out back then. One was um, obviously the Eye of the Tiger, which was the big one from the Rocky movie. Mm-hmm. But then they had a couple other ones. The Search is Over was another one. But we couldn't think of the song at the time. Yeah, it was It was close to his death. And we're trying to think, trying to think, trying to think. And we're like... Yeah, we just can't think what the song was. And of course, it's a pre-internet, so we can't just go and pre-Shazam. You can't just hold the, the, the phone up, you <laughs> exactly. know, to the radio. So we're thinking, thinking, and then all of a sudden, like it was like March, and this was a couple of weeks after he died. The song came on the radio, and I'm like, "Hey, oh wait, he's not here," because mm-hmm. that was the song we were trying to think of. Right. And so it took right. a while too for me because we had so many of those moments that you know, hey, Dodger season's coming up. Let's get some tickets. Now we have tickets to a Dodger game, and it's like, wait a minute, that's not going to happen. So. It was kind of interesting just kind of processing all that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody truly is ready to deal with it. But you got to find your way to, but you do A, have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You just can't let it fester. And then B, you have to find a way to deal with it your way. Mm -hmm. And even though people will give you advice, I still think you have to be able to handle it your way. Yeah, I think giving yourself grace um, is the key or one of the keys. And I have to, you know, full disclaimer, I have not lost a spouse or a parent or a sibling. Um, I've lost great grandparents and I've lost um, some some grandparents recently, but not not I haven't had a um, personal, you know, obviously my daughter's, you know, best friend was very difficult for our family, but I have not had a personal, a close person um, pass yet. So I want to make that, you know, very clear. It's hard. I don't want to come off as saying that I know something that I haven't personally um, experienced. But, um, you know, giving ourselves grace, because I hear a lot of people say when they lose someone, especially if it's someone in the immediate family, they're setting four dinner places, you know, at the table. And now there's only three people or they're making coffee for two people and, and there's only one, you know, all those places where the person was in our life, the songs on the radio, the 
the driving, um, the routes that we took when we were driving, talking on the phone at certain times of the day. It takes a hard, it's, it's, a, it's hard. You know, we have to grieve every single one of those. It, it triggers um, every time we come across one of those and it's like it reopens the wound. And I think especially in the first year, you know, people say it's so difficult because it's breaking those patterns. It's breaking those habits where they're just not there anymore. But giving ourselves grace. Um, some people I've heard, you know, say that, that, you know, make sure that you cry or make sure that you allow yourself the freedom to feel what you're feeling. Because some people just don't just in regular life, even if they're not grieving, it could be anything. They just don't give themselves permission to feel they don't they don't know how to um, name their feelings and their emotions. They don't know how to manage their emotions. So a lot of times people just push things down and, um, and that's certainly, you know, not healthy, but just giving ourselves the grace just to feel and just to be, and there are support groups where people get it. A lot of times our friends don't get it and it's difficult for, I know there's a couple people on my Instagram feed who have lost people and I, um, I'm going to tell on myself, I do get that. It's like, gosh, it's been like how many years, like in your, mm-hmm. and, and the, the post on the Instagram post is still lamenting as if it happened yesterday. And I just want to, I just want to like say, gosh, <laughs> but that's my own, right. that's my own heart. That's not in the right place. That is my own heart. That's not being a servant to that person at that time. And I tried, I'd be supportive. I don't just pass it by. I, I make sure that I either like it or comment or something, but but it does it, it, you know, it, it pulls at me. It's like, oh my gosh, because it's just, I, I don't know what that is about us that we don't want other people to, to hang on to what right. they've lost. See, I'm one of those because I'll post something every February 4th uh, for Chris, uh, usually uh, on, uh, I actually, actually what I did was I created this video. Kenny Chesney came out with a song one time, Who You'd Be Today. Mm-hmm. And it talks about untimely death of young people. Oh, wow. And so I edited it down. I took a lot of pictures that I had from our youth and I created a, uh, a video, mm-hmm. uh, a music video, a slideshow video. And so every um, February 4th, I'll post that and replay it or repost mm-hmm. it on social media, especially Facebook, because it's too long for Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so I'll do that, and then I'll post a picture. And then recently, October 20th, is the anniversary death of my grandfather. So, And mm-hmm. he died at 10.20 at night, so it's 10.20, 10.20. Okay. So it's easy to remember. So I did that too on Instagram, remembering my grandfather on this mm-hmm. day. And for me, it's it's something that I just like to do because, um, and and I don't do it to everybody, but I do it to those two because there were two meaningful people in my life. My grandfather was widely and hugely instrumental, um, and I was the oldest grandson. And so I was fortunate enough to be the oldest. Mm-hmm. When I died, he was ni- I was 19. All my other cousins you know, were much younger, my brother younger. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't have the relationship I did with them. Right. And then, of course, with my friend. So, And then there's another friend of mine. Every August, I did another music video with him, kind of slideshow. Mm-hmm. And I'll post that and, and, and play that. Now, doing an anniversary, that's totally you know understandable like the anniversary of the death yeah, yeah yeah it's totally understandable to post remembrances or to post things that we have done with the person but i th- i think there's there's just one person in particular that the the post is more of an everyday mm. more of an everyday grief that is like so fresh and so raw even though it was many years ago over something yeah that's right. just I'm, I'm i'm not and i'm not saying that this is a good thing <laughs> i'm feeling that way i get i get i do get a little bit irritated with it that is my own selfish um heart so why why do you why do you think that is that we don't want to we don't want people to continue to be in this pain or this grief process like what is that 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 we get so impatient with each other if know. we think that the grief takes too long see i think i think that's what i learned at the young age after losing chris was that grief can be a long time a lifetime there, yeah there was years later that i would go spend time with his dad mm-hmm. and he would want me to uh, take him to the cemetery and we go to the cemetery and he's german so he'd leave these little notes in german mm-hmm. and so uh, i've never really read what they said because i don't you know speak german and i never really translated because i thought it was a personal thing mm-hmm. but i know years later the pain is still there for the for the father you know obviously the mother too the sister right but um but yeah i don't know why we want to get over it. i think we're just when one of those you know places where we want everything to be happily ever after and sometimes happily ever after just doesn't exist 
or happily ever mm-hmm. after just kind of no, certainly isn't not. There. Certainly not on this planet. Right. Either. <laughs> and I think that's what we like. I think we like. I think we want to be able to have everybody yeah. feel good and be good and not have yeah. all these problems. But um, but that maybe was, it's codependent on my part. Maybe it's, maybe it's because. You. Yeah, because <laughs> you said that so easily. Wow. <laughs> no, but that, but see, but but here, but here's the thing. You but mentioned, I, but you mentioned earlier. And that's that's the point. You mentioned earlier that you were been fortunate enough yes. not to have yes and experience that loss. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's extremely fortunate. I'd rather be in your position than kind of in mine because when you suffer the loss, and I know there's a lot of people out there that have all kinds. Of, I mean, there's tragic losses in accidents. I mean, we mentioned mm-hmm. the Saga school shootings just recently. Ugh, I mean, you think about the terrible. Thousand Oaks, you know, shooting, any of them. I mean, it's all tragic. Vegas, the yeah. whole thing. You know, and you've got a lot of people that are still struggling and suffering and PTSD and trying to get over Lots all these events. PTSD, and yeah. it's like, you know, how can we think that these people, I mean, one time I was working at a radio station and we interviewed a lady whose uh, granddaughters or grandchild, I think they're granddaughters, but two of them were uh, perished in the Oklahoma City bombing, Mm. okay? And so she had to go to the preschool and try to figure out what's going on after the Oklahoma City bombing. And this was years later. She was still, you know, wanting revenge on, I guess it was Terry Nichols. He was the lone guy that was Mm -hmm. left. Mm -hmm. And at one point, she had been working, working, working so hard to get an interview with him because she wanted to know why. Mm -hmm. Why did you do this to my grandkids? Mm -hmm. Finally, the... uh, the Federal Board of Corrections, whatever, granted her an interview. Mm -hmm. So she was going to interview Terry Nichols. And at the last minute, she decided, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I got to get over this. Mm. And she never went and interviewed him. And that was the moment that she decided that she was going to start to heal. Mm. And so this was so many years later. So for her, it took many, many years and almost an interview with the person that did it. And then there's others that probably never get over it. You know, you go into depression. I know a lot of people, my dad's a Vietnam vet. He just got back recently from a a reunion. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people, you know, from wartime era that are still struggling today with the loss, mm-hmm. you know, and my dad has told me stories and I can see why the trauma and that is still there. Yeah. And I don't think, I, I think what you just said, we're expecting people to get over it. I think there's no such thing as getting over it. I think that's a, a phrase that keeps people, um, it keeps us all in an unhealthy place that we are, we're expecting people to get over it and grief, you know, especially someone that dies is not something to get over. It's something to learn how to navigate better you know, once we go through the the weepy, you know, process of the first year, um, we can handle it, it a little bit better. But I don't think we ever get over it. And I think that's what we're expecting people to do is just to get over it. And that's not that's that's just not something that is um, a fair expectation because it's a it's a lifetime. It's until we pass, you know, yeah. that we're missing a part of ourselves. Um, and of course, if I were to lose some, you know, someone right next to me you know I would be a basket case and and of course I would never get over it but um, I just I just think it's interesting how we um, have a difficult time carrying each other's grief and and walking and being patient enough to allow that person to grieve the way that they need to grieve and process it for as long as they need to okay well let me ask you this you mentioned earlier uh, the the music the songs uh, things in life that we do, mm-hmm. okay? And now, again, you've been fortunate enough not to have to suffer that loss that uh, a lot of people have, including myself. But what about relationships, okay? Um, you mentioned songs, and the first thing that comes to my mind outside of you know, uh, the loss of someone in death is breakups. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned early on, back in high school, when you date somebody, don't bring your favorite music to the relationship, <laughs> Because that really screws it up when the relationship ends. It does. Every How time many cassettes I've chucked out because the girl screwed it up for me. But so when you take it to that level, okay, now you're dealing with something that is more common, right. I would imagine. I would imagine that there was a point in time in your life that you experienced a bad breakup or maybe the guy left you for some reason and that put you into a friz- uh, frenzy or something. Could you... Yeah. Relate to that type of loss. Well, that type of loss, um, no, the type of loss that really, really set me back and really put me in an unhe- unhealthy place was my parents' divorce. Okay. That really um, sent me over the edge. And I had a very difficult time um, dealing with, with their divorce because it's your, and I think parents don't realize, especially parents that are getting a divorce, but their parents are not divorced. And so they don't understand what it is, the damage that they're doing to the family unit. You know, this is our mom. This is our dad. 
um, this, you know, it's our DNA. We're, you know, and then all of a sudden it's split up and we're with other people. That's not natural. It's just not natural. And to a kid, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's just not natural for your parents to be apart and then for them to be with other people. And that I grieved um, probably way too long. And it took okay, me. Why? I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but yep. why did you say way too long? I'm curious about that converse, about that comment. I. Who made you, who, who made you think that it was too long? Well, what made you let, think I guess, it was too let, long? I guess let me rephrase that. I was angry way too. I maybe maybe I think what I should say is I didn't grieve soon enough, and I was angry way too long and didn't process the anger and mm-hmm. didn't process what I was feeling. And so the grief process is something that you have to enter into intentionally. Like I am going to feel this pain. I'm going to sit with a safe person. I'm going to talk about how I feel, and then they're going to the safe person is going to help me, um, with those feelings and validate what it is that I'm feeling. And because I didn't do that for, I I was just angry and gosh, and even with, um, Bill Clinton, when he was with, you know, when Monica Lewinsky, I was so angry or there were people in our life group at church that were divorced and complaining about their stepkids. And I was so angry and I was taking all this anger out on other people who were divorced and remarried or people that I saw on TV and I was just really, really angry. And what I needed to do was process that. And I think that's where people get stuck is that there, we think that grieving is mourning the loss and we are, but then we never get to that next step of processing that um, and entering into the grief process and feeling all of those feelings and keep moving. I think we get stuck and maybe that's why we get frustrated with each other. And it did take me way too long. I was just angry and I was stuck there for, for many, many years. And it did a lot of damage to myself, to my relationships, um, to friendships. And, you know, I was mad. I wanted to be mad. I didn't want to forgive. I didn't want to move on. Um, it took a toll. Yeah. It takes a toll when we don't, when we don't process it and and keep moving. I was reminded recently, probably a few weeks ago of us from a student, came to talk to me about some stuff and I initially wanted to offer advice. And I think this is where we kind of get into trouble ourselves is you mentioned, okay, people are grieving, get over it because we want them to feel better, but we also want to give them the advice on how to get better. Mm. But this was what I was reminded that kind of is that I'm thinking about as we're talking about this is sometimes people just want to vent. People yeah. just want to talk. And sometimes yeah. the best we can do is just listen. Mm-hmm. Is just, and, I, and I've known that all along, but when I've gotten into teaching more regularly now, full time, it seems like we as, you know, older people, like, you know, we're a couple years older than, you know, the people that we're trying to talk to through this. <laughs> just a couple. Just a couple. <laughs> but it's like we're trying to let us, Decades. let you guys know that the stuff that we've gone through so you don't have to experience that. And sometimes, you know, I've had to learn that it's okay just to listen and not have an answer. Not to be quick with, okay, this is how you solve the problem. And there tends to be a trend in education now where it's student-based learning from the standpoint of, here's the problem. Students are used to the professors or their teachers in high school or their counselors or whomever Mm -hmm. telling them the answer. Mm -hmm. But it's like, we need to step back and you need to figure out the problem and let's just guide you. And I think a lot of times, I've never done counseling or anything like that, but I think sometimes that's what counselors, because I have some friends that are counselors, that's what they kind of do. They kind of just walk you through the conversation into self-discovery of here is what I need to do. And I think sometimes we need to do that. Come alongside somebody instead of be the answer, come alongside them, walk the journey with them, Mm -hmm. just be there with them. Because this is the thing that I learned too late after Chris died. Someone said, because I felt like I had to be there and do something. Like, I don't know, I had to be there and do something. And then when I felt like I wasn't doing anything, I wouldn't show up because I felt like I was in the way. Mm -hmm. Well, a few years later, uh, a pastor told me, he said, um, you know what, the best thing to do in that type of situation, if it ever happens again, is just be there. Yeah. Sit on the couch and just let them do their thing and you just be there. Right. And and here's the interesting part about what you just said and, and kind of what I've been saying is that when we feel like we have to have an answer or when we feel like we want to do the right thing or, or take care of this person or we want this person to move through the grief process a little bit quicker so that we don't have to hear it or whatever. That's all about me. 
that's all about us. That's about our discomfort level. That's about our not wanting to sit with this person and just be. That's why we have two ears and one mouth, because we're supposed to do more listening than we are speaking. And you're absolutely right. You know, I've been to a ton of counseling and the best counselors are the ones who um, walk alongside us and guide us to allow us to come to our own discovery and our own conclusion. That's when the growth process happens. And so if we talk at people and say, you should grieve, you know, we start shooting all over people, you should be grieving this way and you should be over it by now. That's just very selfish on our part. Um sitting with them, listening, allowing them to talk, allowing them to cry, allowing them to change the conversation. There's so many triggers, music and scents and, you know, smells and touches and, and, um, clothes and, and you can be talking with someone, then all of a sudden they'll get triggered and the tears come and the, and all of a sudden you can just see that they're right back into that place with that person. So to be a friend that is strong enough to handle that, strong enough to allow them to interrupt whatever's going on and let them sit there and, and cry and remember and ask them questions. You know, what, what are you remembering right now? And, and to allow them to tell the story and to be patient with that, that is the best kind of um, friend. And that's a, that means that we are putting them and their grief more important than our own comfort level, our own need to come up with an answer, our own need to try and fix it, our own need to try and um, make them feel better that's not our job. Our job is to love them and to support them and honor them and allow them to grieve the way that they need to. Yes. Don't should on me. <laughs> That's the slogan for this the episode. Don't should on me. Don't should on people. I'm going to should all over you. Shoulda, 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 shoulda. You um, should do this. <laughs> you know, it's interesting too, because one of the things that I have a hard time with, if I can take your standpoint is the loss of pets. Oh, that okay. is the worst. That is huge. So, I was working with a guy who had a cat and he was a difficult guy to work with in the radio business, but I just stayed professional with him and did my job and we eventually grew to have an understanding and then we grew to have a a work relationship where he wasn't such a bad guy anymore and he treated me with respect and, you know, we got along. Mm -hmm. Well, his cat died and because he was a difficult guy to work with, people were making fun of him for the loss of his cat. Oh, that is so sad. So I walked up to him one time when I was working with him. And I said, hey, I'm sorry for the loss of your cat. And he snapped at me. He goes, what do you mean by that? Mm. Thinking I was making, I'm like, no, dude, I'm, I'm li- li- literally sorry you lost your cat. It can't mm. be easy. I know you talked about your cat all the time and uh, just sorry. And he's like, oh, thank you. And he, 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 he didn't know I was serious. Mm-hmm. But see, for me, it's kind of hard because people treat pets like people now. Oh, yeah. And there's a conversation that many well, one particular radio uh, talk show host has had, if there's a stranger and there's your pet mm-hmm. and you can only save one, who would you save? And everybody <laughs> chooses that their pet. Question. Yeah, everybody <laughs> chooses their pet. That's not the conversation that we're having here. But here's the point. People put a lot of emotion, a lot of, I mean, pets are people now. They're part of the family. I'm, I'm a fur baby mom or I'm a yeah. fur baby dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I don't understand that world because that's just not me. But I can. Do you uh, have pets? No. I used to growing up had dogs all the time and had cats. I had them all rabbits, the whole thing. I can't stand pets now because I've had too many growing up. <laughs> but but and then of course, you know, spending time in the Midwest, especially in farm country, animals take on a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so again, you're dealing with and when so when you deal with pets, like for me, I have come to the understanding and the growth to know that people take their pets and loss of pets very seriously. Mm-hmm. You see posts on it's funny because you mentioned the person who lost Somebody posting on Instagram, remember pictures and stuff. I see posts all the time of my pet dog died, my pet yes. cat died. It's everywhere. And it's yeah. almost it's almost more rampant with the animals than it is with people. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to be right there soon because our dog is 16. God bless her. And so I'm thinking, man, this is her last Christmas. This is her last Thanksgiving. I mean, I don't want to be cynical, but like how long can a dog... I can't imagine that she would, you know, last a whole nother year. So I'm, I'm like sad, you know, we have a dog and a cat and the, you know, the cat is one and the dog 16 and, and yeah, I'll be posting, you know, yep. cause she, so you'll understand then at that point why people post. Well, we've also lost, I mean, other, I've, I have never not had an animal okay. ever in my entire life. So for, you know, 52 years I've had 
one dog after this is the first cat. I'm not really a cat fan, but um, one dog after another. So I've lost multiple dogs. So have you have, do you have a process in mind already about how you're going to go about the grieving process when the dog passes? No. Is going to cross that bridge when it happens? No. Yeah, I'm just going to cross that bridge when it happens. I'm already I'm already gearing up for it. I already know it's coming. I you know we're trying to give her as many hugs and you know cuddles. Because that's the one thing when it comes to that, it's such a big part of everybody's life that when an animal dies, people will assume that oh it's just a pet. Because I was kind of that way. I mean mm-hmm. I was always been sympathetic because I know you know I I, I value animals mm-hmm. too, but I just have a little different perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't think of them as a part of the family. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called A Dog's no, Life. I, not a the, Dog's Purpose. Do, um, not the that's it. The one there's one where the dog dies and keeps coming out. back. Yeah yeah yeah. The, the no. first one. Yeah. It I is, refuse to see animal movies. It, it is so okay. I sat and cried the whole time, yeah. and then I came home and I told my dog Ginger. I said because she's just she is one of those yeah. the dog's purpose like she just is this incredible loving comforting um, dog she has been such a blessing and I came home and I literally told her I said you did a great job you've done your job well you brought mm-hmm. us lots of comfort you brought us lots of love and I am going to miss you so much you know when it's your time but I just want you to know that you have done your job well and thank you and of course, she doesn't understand a word that I'm She's saying. She's just like, "Where's the food?" Right, but, I, but yeah, I've told her that several times. I'm like, "You've done your job well," because dogs are are great, especially now with um, depression, anxiety. They're great comforters. They're great ways to calm down anxiety and, and depression. They're great companions. You walk in the door, and they're just so excited to see you, and and they just you know love you and and. And they're that, amazing. And that's why they're important, and that's why people cling to their, mm-hmm. their animals. But then when they lost, other people that are kind of like me or, you know, that view animals a little bit differently, um, you know, they will put these stipulations and the should-ofs. You know, they should all over the animal people about, hey, it's just a pet. It's just a dog. Mm-hmm. It's just a cat. It's just a bird. It's just mm-hmm. a hamster. Um, it's just a chinchilla, whatever. But there's still that emotional attachment that people have to get over and go through that process, and that's mm-hmm. okay. It's okay for them to go through that process of grief over an animal because it's important to them. And I think that's what it's getting to. It doesn't matter if it's a loss of a person, if it's a loss of a relationship, if it's a, you know, a love romance relationship or maybe like a parent relationship, mm-hmm. like in your, in your parents' divorce, if it's mm-hmm. an animal, if it's maybe somebody, you know, there's some people that I know that have gone off to prison for different things mm-hmm. and there's that loss, that separation right. that people are grieving with. I mean, right. so there's different types of things. But the point is, I guess, for this whole thing is that the best thing to do is to come up alongside that person and to be there with them and to walk the journey with them and to just be a support and be like, if there's anything you need, I am here because we don't know. I mean, we could offer advice. I've had people come to me and say, how did you handle the the loss of you know Chris? Mm-hmm. And so I'd share my story on how I did it, but I wouldn't tell them you should do this. Mm-hmm. I just said, this is how I dealt with it. This is, you know, and, and this is what I learned from it. And if I was to offer a suggestion, maybe you should try this or go see somebody. Actually, I would tell them, go see somebody because I think mm-hmm. that was the thing I didn't do was talk about it. Right. Um, but I think we just need to come alongside people, let them do the process themselves, no matter how long it is. Like you said, don't shoot all over them and just be a friend. Mm-hmm. Just be there. Whether mm-hmm. it's be there in silence because you're just sitting on the couch or whether it's be there to listen, mm-hmm. you know, quick to listen, slow to speak, right. or if it's to be there, maybe offer your experience to it. Um, you know, and, and then again, it's important to find somebody I think that can relate. Um, you know, if someone lost an animal, I might not be the best one to come talk to. I'll I'll listen. I'm not coming to you. Yeah, No, I'll listen, (laughs) but I'm not, I can't offer anything because you know, uh, I'm just, just not me. But if you lost somebody else, I would be a little bit more understanding because I can relate to it a little bit different, right. you know? Right. And so I think it's important too, to find the right person because not everybody, and, and that goes the same too. I, I've been listening to some students, um, in case you don't know, I teach at a community college and I've been listening to students and they've been getting advice and it's, and it's academic advice, but it still relates. And I asked, I told a student the other day cause she got some advice and I disagreed with the advice that she got. And I was like, okay, you want to do this. The teacher is telling you to do something different. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean that your your academics don't match up with what you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. She wants to be in entertainment, and the academics, you know, the teacher is saying you should go into academics as your education, and then you can try to apply your academics into the media. I disagree with that. But anyways, but you listen to people and the advice, and it's like, how is that advice 
or the person telling the advice, how is it, are you really thinking of the person mm-hmm. that's there? Okay, on the broad scope of things, maybe that type of advice is okay to give students if you're thinking on the broad scope of students in general. But sometimes we have to sit and specifically look at somebody. Okay, this person lost a pet. This person lost a brother, a sister. This person lost a grandparent. This is a divorce. This is a breakup. Mm -hmm. Each one is going to have an individual and independent way of dealing with that and those emotions. We think grief is one way. Oh, we're sad. It's going to be different. And that's what we have to remember. There's not one universal answer to solve all those problems. And I think when you mentioned earlier, why do we tell people to get over it? Because we want them to be happy and we want them to be feel better. But we think that there's the universal answer that, okay, it's been this amount of time. You should be yeah, done with it. But, but let's take that a step forward. I totally agree with that. We want them to be better. We want them to be happy. But let's keep multiplying that out. Why do we want them to be better and we want them to be happy? Do you have an answer for that? I do. I was, okay. I was well, you <laughs> tell testing me. you. Well, no. I, I just think it's that way because that's the human nature. Human well, nature doesn't like suffering. Right, because we don't want to deal with it. And so if they're in our presence and they're still yeah. grieving and we think that they should be further along because we don't want to deal with it. And that's so really this conversation that's twofold is that if you are a person that's grieving, um, you know, entering into purposely entering into that grief process with a counselor or with a safe person and processing that that grief to um, metabolize it in a healthier way is absolutely key. But on the flip side, as the friend, um, it all it kind of comes back to what we've been talking about in the other episodes. It boils down to our character. Are we really for the other person or are we for ourselves? And a lot of times we are for ourselves. And so we are uncomfortable when people are grieving or uncomfortable because then now we have to enter into that and we don't want to. And so that means that we're for ourselves and and we want people to be happy and we want people to be moving along so that we don't have to deal with it and we don't have to see it. We don't you're, we don't like suffering. We don't like visible um, sin, visible mistakes. We want everything to be nice and clean. And um, and so we just have to, you know, if we're having trouble not relaxing, not being able to relax in, in the comfort or in the um, presence of someone who is grieving, that's on us. We have to check ourselves and say, why am I so, because it's hard. It's really hard because we feel like we have to have an answer. We feel like we have to do something, right? And there's nothing to do. Sometimes there's just, there was a lady who um, years ago lost her son. Uh, He took his life and um, we were leaving the memorial and I just hugged her out in the street and I said, I have no idea what to say, but I'm a mom. And I get it. I feel your pain as a mom. I just, I, I feel your pain. And I just hugged her. And a couple of weeks later, she said to me, you know, that was the nicest thing that anybody had said to me because we always, we try to offer these, you know, silly things like, oh, they're in a better place. Well, what's better than right here with us? They're, oh, they're, at least they're not suffering anymore. Well, (laughs) we're so dismissive and we say these things that are just not helpful. And sometimes the best thing to do is to say, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. And I'm just going to sit here. And if we don't talk for the next three hours, it is okay. And I'm just going to sit here and be with you. Um, It's hard to do that. It's hard to be comfortable enough on our own skin to be able to sit there and absorb um, something that is just so uncomfortable. Well, it's like you said, it puts us in an uncomfortable situation because we don't like it. Because I remember there was a time that I learned from when Chris died, the the thing was just be there. Yeah. So that's what happened. I went to, uh, there was a somebody else. I didn't really know them that well, but I went along for support with another friend who was closer to the family that lost. And I just sat there mm-hmm. and then somebody sat down next to me. I didn't know who they were. And I'm just sitting there. Well, it turned out to be, I think the uncle mm-hmm. and we were just talking. I didn't find out till afterwards that he was the uncle and we were just talking. And so I was just, you know, listening to what he was saying and, you know, not really saying much. I think I might've mentioned a few, you know, experiences I had or whatever. We just, but it's just listen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all we need to do is we need to be awkward. We need to be uncomfortable, but we just need to come alongside these people. And the other thing too, from a, from an educator's perspective, I had a student who last spring, I guess it was spring of 2019 lost his dad. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so obviously I understood this. And so he had some time away from class, time away from school. And I don't have him in the current uh, semester, but I still uh, cross paths with them through the radio station. And 
it still affects him. You know, obviously it's his dad. Yeah. But it's like, oh, that's the other thing too. You got to keep in mind that even though if you're on the periphery, maybe you're not friends, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a teacher, Mm -hmm. maybe it's somebody else. You know, you don't understand, you don't know what this person's going through. And sometimes you have to show them and be there in a support. And that's one way you can support them. You might not know them, but maybe they're a student or somebody like that. And you could be like, you know what? Take care of your business. We'll work it. We'll yeah. work out school later. Yeah. Take care of what you have to do. Don't worry about your assignments right now. We'll mm-hmm. take care of that because that sometimes can speak volumes. Mm-hmm. Just taking the pressure off of somebody, no matter who it is, of having to do those daily responsibilities. It's like the people that come and bring the food so they don't have to cook and worry about mm-hmm. that. Right. Sometimes right. just you know, okay, maybe you're a coworker. Maybe you're going to sacrifice a couple of hours on a day, and maybe you get three or four coworkers to sacrifice a couple of hours of their time to fill a shift yeah. because that person might. I just need a day off. And that could be anything. That could be just the person going through any type of maybe relationship problems. Maybe their kid is acting out, whatever the case may be. Sometimes coming along alongside somebody goes beyond just being there. And that moment, right? it might be, okay, you know what? You need some time away. We're going to fill this mm-hmm. in. You know, you need some time away. Worry about your assignments later. You need some time away. Take the day off. And I've heard too, from people that that they say it's if somebody asks, you know, can I we always want to say, oh, if you want me to do anything for you, you know, let me know we're here. It's all well intentioned. But the person who's grieving, um, I've heard multiple times, just do it. Don't ask me because because the person who's grieving is not going to pick up the phone and say, oh, so and so said that they would help me. They're they're in such a their um, state of devastation and a state of loss that they're not, they don't have the energy to pick up the phone and say, Hey, can you, you know, do whatever. And so I've heard that, that, you know, just, just do it. Um, that Rick Warren, when, when their son um, took his life, he said that their life group just came over to their house and, and didn't ask. They just pretty much came over and they slept on the floor. They slept on the couch and they were there for like two or three days and cooked, you know, for them and made sure, but they didn't leave. They just stayed with them, you know, in those initial days. Um, I heard another story tonight. I was listening to the Rusty George podcast. Rusty's the um, preacher at our at our church, and he lives on the street, apparently. He said this during his podcast. He lives on the same street as the... Um, the deceased girl and the, her best friend that survived, I guess they all live in the same neighborhood of the Saugus um, school shooting. And so he said it was so tough because in the neighborhood, one family was bringing home their daughter and the other family was coming home without their daughter. And so I guess the neighborhood, um, the way that he described it in his podcast, they put out these candles on the, along the sidewalks lining, you know, to the houses and um, loving on, you know, both families and um, welcoming them home. And then they also have, they, you know, started a meal train for them. And then also, believe it or not, reached out to the shooter's mom, apparently, and started a meal train for her as well, because she's also grieving. She's also lost her son. Um, He was in a lot of pain. And um, it's just horrible. But the more that we can not judge the more that we can come around and sit with people and just love on them without questions you know we don't need to know how they're feeling necessarily let them volunteer the information you know we don't need to ask details about the accident details about the um situation unless they they want to volunteer it but just to be there and just to sit with them and just to um love you know on them is enough it's 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 enough just to be there you mentioned people not wanting to share. So my friend Chris died. I was 18. He was 17. It took me up until I went and had dinner recently with them almost about a year ago. And I finally got the final answers to what happened that night. Oh, wow. Because I never asked. Oh, wow. I never wanted to bring that up. Mm. But there were there were instances where I'd be driving through that area at night, and mm-hmm. it was similar. The fog set in. The rain set in because it was a rainy night. Mm-hmm. So throughout the years, I've kind of pieced things together. But mm-hmm. through conversation, I finally got the final answers, and it was many, many years later. Wow. And now I have as much closure as I'm going to get. But so when you mentioned they might not want to talk about it, it took a number of years. Mm-hmm almost a lifetime to figure out, 
all the final details of what happened. Yeah. And then uh, the mom told me after the, the dad stepped steps aside, said he's never talked about that ever. Mm. And so I got the closure I was looking for and I was truly appreciative of it. But sometimes that's what it is. It's, it's like I said, it doesn't come back to us. Mm-hmm. It's not about us. It's right. about that person. Right. It's about them and their situation and coming alongside them and maybe not having the answers. You might be curious, but you know what? You it's, might not get the answers. It's none of, sometimes it's none of our business. You know, it's just none of our business sometimes. And we, and I'm very inquisitive. I'm very curious. Um, all of my life, I have asked way too many questions and been <laughs> intrusive when I should not have been because I always want to know all the details. It's none of our business a lot of times. You know, it's so painful. And it's, it's, it depends on the person. You know, some people are more forthcoming. Some people are more, you know, they stuff things down and they don't want to talk about it. The pain is something that none of us want to feel. We just don't want to feel the pain. and But unfortunately, the only way to heal is to go through the pain. You can't go over it. You can't go around it. You can't skip that part of the process. You have to enter into it and you have to feel it with, you know, do it with a safe person and just say, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm angry. And whatever emotions come up during that painful time, because we sometimes we feel ashamed for the things that we feel. And so we're like, oh, gosh, that's I shouldn't be feeling that way. And then we feel ashamed because we're ashamed. And then it just wraps us up in a knot. And then we, we don't we get stuck. And so the more that we can feel that pain, but at our own pace, you know, with a safe person and is not up to us as the friend to provoke the griever into that pain process, they have to be ready. It has to be at their pace, their timing. Um, when they're ready and we may not be that safe person for them. It could be somebody else. So we have to honor that as well and not be offended. You know, they, they may be better off with somebody else. Um, so it's, I think it's a lot of checking ourselves, a lot of a gut check. You know, why am I agitated with this person or why am I not comfortable? And some of us just, we don't call the griever. We don't come around because we don't know what to say. We feel so uncomfortable that we just avoid them completely. You know, yep. probably yep. like you were talking about with your friend, you know, because people, we don't know how to handle it. Yep. So we go away and then they're lonely. And then there's rejection on top of the abandonment. Yeah, see, that's that's the one regret, I guess. I don't know if it's regret's the right word. But the one thing when I look back on, I just should have been there more for the parents. Mm, you're shooting on yourself. I am. I'm shooting all over myself. I'm full of should. <laughs> but that's the thing. I'm, that, that's my mentality, even to this day, mm-hmm. years later. It's like I, I should have been there more. Mm. Just there. Yeah. I should have just been there. Now, that's just me, and that's nobody else shooting all over me. I'm going to shoot on myself. But when I think back, that's what I could. Okay. I could have done that more. Mm-hmm. And that would have been in a better situation because I would have just been there. And that's the one thing that I learned from that is just be there for them. No matter what it is. You, why didn't you go around? Because I, I thought I was, to be honest, I thought I was a nuisance. Mm-hmm. I thought just by being there, I was in the way. I thought by being there, it was like, what do I say? I didn't realize I could just sit there and not say anything. I didn't have anything to say. How do you, how do you say something? Yeah. You know, after a while I, I've, I've said everything I've had to say, mm-hmm. That I can say, as an 18-year-old suffering the loss of a friend, I didn't know what to say. And I felt just by being there, it would be awkward. I felt like I'd be in the way. I felt like they'd have to entertain me. Mm -hmm. And they obviously didn't maybe want to do that. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that just by sitting there on the couch Mm -hmm. or sitting there in the the, the downstairs room, maybe watching TV, Mm -hmm. whatever the case, sitting in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, just by being there. Yeah, in because the same you said room. they were they were second parents. Yeah, they're to second you. parents. So they they probably thought you were a second son, and by not being there, they exactly. lost two sons. Yeah, and 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 that's thank you. Just made me depressed now. I've never thought of it that way, but that's true. It's a very true point. Well, thank you. This gives me a lot to think about. But no, it's a very true point. It's very valid because just by being there, you. Don't compound the loss, I guess, like you just mentioned. You know, that's mm-hmm. compounding loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of an interesting point that you bring up. I never thought of it that way. Um, I have to mull that over for take the next a, take, 30 years. Take a moment. <laughs> next 30 years. No, but that's the point. Just like you said, just by being there. Yeah. Now, we would, be, we would get together with uh, some other friends and stuff and show up every once in a while. They had us over for dinner. Mm-hmm. But just the point of being there. Yeah. And so that's why I didn't. And so when I look back on, that's the one thing I would say 
is that from my experience, mm-hmm. if you have someone that goes through something like that, it could be, I mean, I remember, I remember just a few weeks earlier, my friend Chris, he was dating a girl and they broke up and he was grieving that loss and he showed up at my house unexpected. And I had a lot of stuff to do that day because it was high school and um, I stopped everything. I was in the middle of washing my car. And it stopped everything, and we just sat there for hours just watching TV or whatever it was or just talking or whatever in the, in the living room. Mm-hmm. And I blew everything off for the day, and we were just there. And so that moment, when he died, I thought back to that moment. I'm like, you know what? I'm glad that I blew everything off that day, and we just sat there because he needed me there yeah. that day. Yeah. But it didn't click that that's what I could have done mm-hmm. after he passed Physical away. Physical presence is huge. We discount the fact that our aura when we're physically present with someone, we don't have to use our words. We can just physically, our aura, just be with someone in the room, and that is enough. Mm. We discount that. Um, I know that, that there are um, there's a person who just says, oh, I'm just so, he'll say to me, I'm so glad that you're here. And we don't really talk. We don't really have a conversation. But it's just the fact that when we sit with people, we are honoring the space that they're in. We're honoring the fact that they're not feeling well. They could be sick with the flu. They could be suffering from depression. They could be um, suffering from a, a loss, whatever it is. It's just our physical presence is enough. And we just get so wrapped up in ourselves of thinking that we have to say or do or be active. We think that the the energy is coming from what it is that we're doing and it's not the energy is coming from one heart to another just being and just and that is where the connection is and that is where the comfort comes from that's where the hope comes from that's just that's where the love and validation come from it's just being able to be together and not necessarily having to say anything but like I'm here my body's here I'm physically here I'm physically present um and and emotionally present and I'm that's enough. Well, as we begin to wrap things up, I'll give you the final word. But the two things that I've learned today is one, uh, don't shoot on me. <laughs> don't shoot on people because it's and bad. Especially not yourself. Don't shoot That's, all over yourself. Um, Shoulda, coulda, woulda. And then the other thing, too, is, is be there because like you had just told me, which I didn't think about, by maybe not being there, it compounds the loss. Mm-hmm. Because if, if they've had family, if Chris you know, had friends over a lot- Mm-hmm. And things like that, and there are parties at his house, and you know there'd be uh, you know swim parties, and I mean just you know it was a house that was vibrant with young people, and then all of a sudden we stopped showing up after he died. That compounds the loss even more because now the house is empty, and those parties are done, and all the future parties, the graduation parties. You know now that you say that, thinking back on it, we could have thrown graduation parties and probably asked them, hey, can we use your house for a graduation party for all the friends to come and just celebrate? Mm-hmm. You know it's a uh, uh, Fourth of July or whatever, his birthday, whatever the case may be, can we do that? And they might have said yes. But see, the thought is, oh, we're going to burden them. We don't want them to be sad because he's not here. But it might have been the flip side where they might have embraced that because now instead of having this empty house after all these friends were over you know, throughout the years in high school, mm-hmm. now it's like it's double compounded mm-hmm. because no one's there now. And there's the second point. Not only should we not should not only should we not should on ourselves, we also shouldn't assume that we know what other right. people want or don't want and a simple question hey is this you know it's hard for us not to come over here because we're missing chris but is it also hard for you like would it be nice if we came over or would you rather us not yeah. asking the simple question yep. is a really good thing because they may have appreciated um the company yeah that's true. But that's that's what I learned is don't shoot on me. Don't shoot on anybody when it comes to the grief process. And then be there because not only is it good, but you could be compounding the loss by not being there, which would just magnify the situation even more depending on you know the situation. Right. Um, so that's what I got out of this today. I'll let you have the final word. I actually saw tears in your eyes, yeah. and so I'm still there. I'm still back there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh. know that I have a final word other than that. That when we have conversations with people and we're we're gentle, that's the fruit that comes out of the conversation. Is that we have these realizations, and it's okay, and it's fabulous, and there's insight, and that's where the healing comes from. That's where the growth comes from. So when we sit with a safe person and just chew the fat. Mm-hmm. Just talk about, you know, whatever it is. 
um, that's being with someone and allowing people just to be who they are. And those tears were nice, man. That's real. (laughs) You uh, opened up a whole new thought process for me now. Uh, Two Steps Ahead Podcast is what we are. You can find us on Instagram at Two Steps Ahead Podcast. My personal Instagram is at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And I am at Tara Hoke Shiro on Instagram, T-A-R-A-H-O-K-E-S-C-H-I-R-O. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out to us. Uh, you can reach out to us also at Two Steps Ahead Podcast at Gmail if email is a little bit more convenient for you. But uh, feel free to reach out. Let us know what you think. Um, if you have any advice or any thoughts that you want to add to this, that would be great too. Questions you want us to answer? Questions, topics you'd like us to talk about, and also um, YouTube, uh, coming to YouTube with the, uh, the videos too. So, uh, hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Do tell a friend, and we'll see you down the road here on Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Thanks, guys. See you next time.